Welcome to the Sound of Movement podcast. Today we are talking about nutrition. This whole week we're talking about nutrition and we're going to be talking about the most effective diet for performance. We've tried a lot of different ways of eating and this is what we've found to work best. What's up everybody? Uh, Welcome to the show. Super excited for this discussion. If we haven't met before, my name is Yanni Bormeister. I'm joined by my brother Rad across the table from me. And behind the mixer, we've got the voice of God, Richie. And uh, this week, we are going to share our experiences with nutrition. Now, I have to just quickly start with a brief disclaimer. None of us are nutritionists or dietitians. If you have any sort of uh, existing issues or you want a customized nutrition plan or diet, I do urge you to seek the advice of a professional dietitian. Uh, we cannot provide that service. What we can do is share our experiences. Uh, we've got a, a, an accumulated 50 plus years working as personal trainers in the fitness industry. And uh, we've seen a lot of, uh, a lot of BS, a lot of <laughs> fads come and go. And we all actually follow a slightly varied nutrition intervention ourselves. So we've got a little bit of uh, uh, experience on the matter. Today we're going to be framing you know what what our beliefs are around uh, around nutrition and uh, and why we don't really prescribe diets for people. We have protocols and we have interventions that we recommend, uh, but we don't uh, we don't hand out diets because we are not really qualified to do so. How are you, Rad? Yeah, I'm really good. Yep, I'm uh, feeling good. Feeling good. Feeling good. How are you, Richie? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Squat day today. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm actually excited about squat day. I went for a good run this morning. Legs are already cooked, so that'll be interesting. Oh. <laughs> uh, so first and foremost, what we want to do today is really just get across the main point for this series. We're going to do four shows consecutively on nutrition, and we're excited. No, we're not. We're going to do three, because this Friday, we're doing a show specifically for our 28 Well, day yeah, intensive. but that is still on nutrition. So, right, okay. yeah, we're doing four shows on okay, nutrition, right. but uh, the last one is actually not going to be streamed to the podcast. It's going to be. You guys are going to miss out. Yeah, it'll it's, be for uh, our Unity Gym members only. For our Unity Gym tribe only. And the reason is because we've got a brand new 28-day intensive program that kicked off on Saturday with our Fast Growth Workshop. And uh, that's another reason why I'm excited for this series, because... It's a great value add for those newbies in the gym who are just starting out. They all want to know about our nutrition uh, recommendations and protocols and whatever you want to call them, interventions. And so the first thing we want to talk about is that we don't actually believe in diets. We don't believe in diets because diets, uh, as one of my uh, good friends, and I guess you'd probably call him a mentor, uh, Dr. Ross Walker, Once uh, I famously wrote in one of his books, Diets Don't Work, diets are like a vacation. You always have to come home from a vacation, just like you generally have an expiry date on a diet. And that creates uh, a little bit of problem for people. You know, the intervention, um, whether it lasts three, six, 12 months, people tend to rebound from diets because they don't instill uh, a lifestyle change that's sustainable long term and unfortunately we know through quite a a, a lot of uh, good research and good um, experience that it takes anywhere from five to seven years for a new weight a new body composition to normalize and and hormones leptin and ghrelin hormones that give you the feeling of satiety or hunger uh, to to sort of uh, regulate themselves and and for a new body composition um, to become your normal let's say you lose 
30 kilos or, uh, you know, um, 50 pounds, it's, it, you need to sustain that weight loss for quite a long time before it becomes your norm. And, and, the, and people really run into problems with that. And so we like to teach, you know, a progressive approach to nutrition. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, yep, you're, you're probably thinking, but the show said the most effective diet for performance. Well, it got a click, didn't it? That's why we did it. It's clickbait. <laughs> um, but yeah, we don't believe in diets. We don't do them. We don't recommend them. We've, you know, when you look at the statistics of diets, it's just, it is an obscene amount of people that go on diets that um, just bounce back and lose, uh, you know, put on all the weight that they lost on it. And there's good reasons for it. Yanni just said it. We're not going to go that far into it. But what we're going to talk about is, yeah, you know, we're not, we're not nutritionists. We're not dietitians. But what we are is personal trainers that have taken a very active interest in nutrition to the way that you eat to foster health, yep. to live in a healthy body. Um, and we've, we've done a lot of trial and error and we've worked with a lot of people and we've found something that works really, really well. And one of the reasons why it works so well is because it isn't a diet. It's not saying you can't eat this, you have to eat that, you, you have to do it this way. It's guidelines that influence the behaviors that you have around food and that there's, there's different ways to do it. You can customize it to what suits your lifestyle and what suits your needs. There's a few boundaries that can't be broken. There's some boundaries that you can't bust through where if you break through to the other side, there's nothing you can really do if you break this boundary. Um, you know, something like, for example, you know, calorie balance is a, is a boundary. It is something that you, you, you can't cheat. You can't say, well, I'm going to eat this way, this way, and this way, but I'm not going to balance my calories, which means you eat far more than what you burn in a 24-hour period. You're still going to put on I, weight. I prefer the word or term laws. Yeah. Because we're following a, a, the law of thermodynamics, which is energy in versus energy out must be, must be followed. That's the first law of physics. Uh, thermodynamics and you you like you just cannot avoid that and then a lot of people's um, uh, proponents of certain diets will will argue that no you can eat as much meat as you want and you won't get fat or uh, you know vegans will say you can eat as much vegetables as you want you won't get fat but the reality is is that that certain foods affect calorie intake differently but the calories always matter and there's no way around that, you know, and, and it, it just, it, it's a, a real um, thorn in the side of, uh, of anyone who knows anything about nutrition, any personal trainer, any nutritionist, any dietitian, it, you, like you get people screaming from the hills that energy balance doesn't matter, it does. And, and you, you know, you're being, you're being lied to if you don't, um, if you don't think that or, uh, or, or people are telling you otherwise. So that is the first law that we teach people that they need to understand. They need to understand that en energy balance matters and you can uh, manipulate your energy balance via two ways. You either exercise more or you eat less. If someone's already dropped off the stream once we talked about calories, it's like, damn it, I'm not listening to another calorie talk. We're not going to talk about calories here all day, but I am going to frame the, the five laws of nutrition that you really need to, any nutrition plan needs to cover okay? well this is our nutrition plan this is what's worked for us so we should we should say that again this is what we've found to be the most effective and 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 it's come from 17 years being in the industry it's come from um i mean as an example you know uh yanni did a, a workshop where one of the speakers was um gary slater who's considered the 
Um, you know, the forefront of research on muscle protein synthesis in Australia is considered a world authority on it. Um, you know, we've had, we, we've sat down and learnt from people like um, Louise Burke, was she? The head yep. dietitian for the um, uh, Australian Olympic team at the, um, down in Canberra at the Australian, no, what's it called? R R RMIT, I think. No, 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 oh, that no, was no, her husband, yeah, 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 yeah. who was yeah. whatever his name, I can't remember his name, but he was the head. Paulie. Uh, research for um, um, metabolic research. So let, let's let's just quickly frame the laws, okay? And okay. then I want to just quickly frame why it's the third step. It's the third intervention. It's the third step in our health hierarchy because nutrition is a beast, and it really messes with a lot of people. And it takes a lot to move the needle on nutrition. And we like to intervene with it as a third step. We focus on motivation first, igniting your finding your burning desire and igniting your motivation. The the reasons why you're going to to get up in the morning and train and change your diet and things like that. Then we like to get a habit of healthy exercise first, balance between strength, flexibility and fitness, get that happening on a daily basis. And then we start to work on nutrition. And there's a reason why you need momentum to start working on nutrition. It's a, it's a beast. It's a hard thing to tackle. And for most people, it stifles progress. So the, the five laws are, first of all, balance energy to optimize your physique. You have to be eating in a manner that's balancing your energy levels. Either if you want to lose weight, you're going to have to go into calorie deficit. If you want to gain weight, you'll have to go into a calorie surplus. So the first thing to understand is that you need to uh, understand your energy balance needs. Second is that you want to be eating in a way that reduces or minimizes systemic inflammation. So you don't want to be eating food that's going to create an environment in your body that is not supportive or conducive of your exercise habit. Because if you're, you're, you're stressing the body already when you exercise, you're stressing the body with work-related stress, you're stressing the body with financial relationship, whatever the stresses or stress mechanisms are in your lifestyle, you need to understand that they all play a role in the reality, the physical reality of how you feel every day. And if you're eating in a manner that is increasing inflammation, it's messing with your gut, it's doing all sorts of crap things, then you're really, really making it hard for yourself to achieve your goals in everything because energy is going to be stuffed, libido is going to be stuffed, your motivation will be messed with, you know, your sleep will be compromised, all of these things. So that's the second law, reduce or minimize systemic inflammation. We're going to talk about how to do these things throughout the week. The third law is upregulate your he your healing pathways. You know, th there's three ways you can do that. You can start exercising, you can go into a calorie deficit, or you can time restrict the consumption of food so that there are periods of the day where you're not processing or digesting food. Uh, <laughs> and all three of those are really great ways to move that needle and upregulate cellular healing, um, uh, cellular healing pathways like autophagy, which is one of the pathways. The fourth is to build and cultivate a healthy gut microbiome, and that's uh, really about getting um, food diversity, uh, variety, and, uh, and also, of course, again, reducing processed crap and junk food that goes through your body, alcohol, things like that. And then finally, you want to be eating to support your training and recovery. And the best way to do that, as we've learned from people like Dr. Gary Slater, is to prioritize dietary protein intake to make sure that you're maximizing uh, muscle protein synthesis to make sure that you're getting enough protein every day to support how much you exercise. And that's a really great way to also manage uh, calorie consumption because it has a higher thermal effect when you eat dietary protein. It means it's harder for the body to metabolize and it, it tends to actually burn more calories just through the thermal effect of your food. So those are the five rules.
Okay, and, and we're going to go uh, and, and we're going to talk a lot about how we intervene at, here at uh, Unity Gym with those five laws. Uh, and I'll repeat them again for everyone, anyone who missed them. Balance energy, reduce or minimize inflammation, upregulate healing pathways, cultivate a healthy gut, health, healthy gut microbiome and maximize muscle protein synthesis. Okay, now let's talk about energy balance first. <laughs> This is the one that everyone hates. Well, I want to keep it, try and keep it simple so that we don't well, talk uh, again, do another show about calories. Because when you, you're right, when you talk about calories, people tune out because it, it, people feel like they want, people feel like the reason why they've failed is because they haven't been given the right information yet. And they want what we refer to as the magic pill, which is the next thing. Like there's something that somebody hasn't told me yet that if I learn it, it's going to get me what I've been failing at for the last 20 years. Well, to let's lose give weight. them the magic pill. Yeah. Let's talk about why a low carb diet helps to control energy balance. Let's talk about why a zero fat high carb diet helps to control energy balance. Let's talk about why a vegan diet helps to control energy balance. We, yeah, and it's not what any, you think. Any radical diet. It, it's, not, it's not what you think. Extreme it's just that, diet. It's just that, like, so people think, people might swear that a low-carb diet um, works or that a vegan diet works, which, it, which are both, like, so opposite. Because when you eat a vegan diet, um, I don't know a vegan that doesn't eat a hell of a lot more carbohydrate than I eat. And, and then when you eat a low-carb diet, which is far more like how I eat, um, I eat a lot less carbs than what a vegan would eat. When I look at the kinds of foods that they put on the plate, I, I look at that and think, man, I wouldn't eat that. It's too much carbohydrate for me. But people can go on a carnivore diet or a vegan diet and both lose weight. And the main reason that we've been able to identify is because what it does is it causes them to start removing shit from their diet. As soon as you decide that you're going to remove a macronutrient, you, you're forced to start looking at what you eat in a way that you've never done before. And the good thing about either of those diets is, is that it, it does that to people. Mm. It makes people accountable for the first time. People go from not thinking at all about what they're doing to thinking veganism is the answer, this is what I'm gonna do. And they start having to look at all this stuff that they eat and getting rid of it. And you start exposing yourself to people that are much more um, concerned about their health than you were before and it starts rubbing off on you but the same thing happens if you go on a carnivore diet the same thing happens you've, you're forced to remove all this shit that you ate that you never thought about before and you're starting to work with people that are far more concerned about the health that you were but both of them couldn't be more opposite than each other and so they both tend to produce the exact same results yeah short term short term least, results yeah. short term results exactly which is right. an, which is an improvement in health yeah and, an improvement and, and in health and an improvement clear, in the way that you feel there, there there's nothing wrong with that yeah. i don't i have no problem so like someone who really wants to get on top of health ailments that they've been carrying for a while I do this all the time where I'll do like a carnivore cleanse or yeah. like just go really radical to one side and because it, what it does what Rad just pointed out there it's not what you're eating that makes a difference it's what you're not eating it's what eating. you remove yeah, it's what you remove the, 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 that's what diet. gives you the big so but we should also so we, if we go if we stay on topic why do, why do calories count and why do why is the low carb diet probably widely considered as one of the best ways to lose fat? It well, hang on a sec. No, no, no. I want to really make this absolutely clear. I, and I don't want to uh, become a proponent of either way because both, if you go full vegan and you really eliminate um, um, a meat, then what tends to happen is you also eliminate a lot of fat from your diet, which is very high energy. And if you go the other way and you go full carnivore, you eliminate carbohydrate, a whole food group. 
a whole macronutrient. And the reason why both of those tend to work very well in, a, in, in um, losing a lot of body weight is that they eliminate that entire macronutrient. You know, and it, you tend to eat a lot less. You tend to consume, not, not eat a lot less, sorry, that's the wrong word. You consume a lot less calories as a result. And they both work really well. They just, they, there's a really great study that was just published recently where two identical twins, genetically identical twins, went on to test this. One went on a vegan diet and one went on a carnivore diet and they documented the results over a 12 month period, which is really, really like really has never been done before. and. The, um, the results were really obvious at the end. The guy that went on the carnivore diet put on a lot more muscle. They both trained like really hard in the gym. And the guy that went on the vegan diet lost a lot more weight and leaned up a lot more, lost a lot more body fat as well as a percentage. They did they measured by DEXA. And so this is like bleedingly obvious, the results, you know, their health markers were quite the same. For some reason, and no one can explain this yet, the vegan um, diet, the, the guy on the vegan diet tended to lose his libido, which there's no, uh, nothing, it, no literature seems to support why that happened. It could be a very personal experience for him. Well, the game changer says it's gonna be the opposite. Yeah, that's what I found really interesting too. But for him, he lost his libido. His libido dropped right down. Yeah. But there were pros and cons of both diet, you know, and it looked like the vegan diet was better, more superior at burning fat. You know, uh, the, 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 uh, the brother that went on the vegan diet burnt more fat and ended up leaner by Dexa. But on the flip side, the, the twin that ate more um, meat and, and went on the carnivore diet gained more muscle mass yeah. in, in a, a number of kilos, you know. So you can argue whatever you'd prefer, but they both worked really well, you know. They both got a great result from it. And so... But, you so we framed this well now. We should now give what, so that we can continue on with our topics here. So um, what, do, what do we do and what works for us? What we find works the best because it's not extreme. It's, I, I know very few vegans that have not gone back and forth between vegans and uh, omnivores. Yeah, very yeah. few vegans that I know have been on it for a decade and continued to thrive for a decade. That's just me. I'm just saying that's my personal experience. The carnivore diet, I know no one that's been on it for that long because it seems to be a newer kind of thing. It's only yeah. come out in the last few years or the, yeah. at least anybody that I know that's been on it. But what we've found to be something that is a, a very sustainable way of eating is the modified Mediterranean diet. It's also the diet that has the, the, the most research around it as to the, the health benefits. And it's really basically just an inclusive diet. It just, you can have some of this and some of this and some of this, but nothing in excess. I and mean, what we've found to be the best way to get people to control calories is just simply to remove processed foods. If you remove processed foods, people get left with, they start asking all these questions, oh, what can I eat, that can I eat, that can I eat, and, they, and the answer is simple. Is it processed? Is it in a package? Did it get produced before it got sold to you? And what you get left with is meat, fish, eggs, any, any of those raw animal protein sources, any vegetable, any fruit, any nut, and you know, even vegetable oils are considered a processed food, so you're gonna, you, you wanna limit how much that is. But when you start eating that way, people start saying, oh, well, can I have this, can I have this? The, the answer is really simple. Is it whole food? Mm -hmm. Is it a whole food? Did it come from nature, go through zero processing, and, and except for what you do with it at home to cook it, to get on your plate? And if you do that in its own, to try to eat more calories than what you can consume than, than would put you in calorie surplus in a 24 hour period with whole foods is very, very hard. Yeah. Because vegetables themselves ha have a very low amount of calories. If 
Um, and a very high amount of fiber. And a very high so amount of fiber. That, so it fills um, you up. That feeling, that sensation of being full, yep. satiety, very quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. Yep. So does so does meat. So does meat. You know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and so I mean, does any, uh, any whole, of, like good qual- uh, um, uh, vegetarian or vegan proteins like beans and legumes. Yep. If they're really, really, um, yep. you know, um, properly prepared, yep. they have the same effect. Yep. They fill you up. They make you feel. Um, um, they they give you that feeling of satiety very quickly. And so you know? and so when, because when you go from that from from eating processed foods to that, you're going from foods where when they take whole foods and they process them down. Like you can look at the best example for me uh, of this is a is a juice, a fruit juice. Okay, if you took an apple, it's quite hard to eat so many apples that you are in calorie surplus because you get to a point like try to eat more than two apples even when you're really really hungry i've tried it Mm. and i struggle to get through the second apple because there's something in your body that says i've had enough of this now and you'll still be hungry and you You can eat more food yeah you feel sick apple picking at the orchards here in just out of sydney and uh and i fast until lunchtime every day so i have my breakfast at 12 and uh I was quite hungry and it got to two o'clock in the afternoon and I was like, stuff it, I've got this pile of apples, fresh apples that I've just picked and I ate three of them and I felt really sick. Yeah, yeah, it's really, but then- The acid and the sugar in it. But you can still go and eat more other food. It's just the apples, but get a glass of apple juice and drink that and you'll go for two or three of them. How many apples are in one glass of apple juice? Well, one small glass of apple juice is about eight apples. You only need to use a juicer yourself to see it. So that's a really good example of how processed food works. They take food, remove most of the fiber from it, and you're left with, you know, that doesn't remove the calories. The calories are left there. So when you're eating processed food, when you're eating a, a diet where it contains processed foods, the calories go through the roof. So, but, but it doesn't fill you up and you can eat more and more and more calories without filling up and you remove that, forget it if you're vegan, omnivore, carnivore, whatever it is, just remove the processed foods and you're going to find it hard too. So that's, that's probably our first nutrition intervention. The other, yeah. And the other good thing about that is that it ticks more than one box. It ticks, and we're going to talk about this more tomorrow. It ticks the box of reducing systemic inflammation and it ticks the box of cultivating a healthy gut microbiome. It's really, really uh, effective as a first step. And, and it is, you know, it is one of those things that, you know, once you're in a habit of doing, it's actually really easy. It's hard to break. A habit. Oh, but every habit's hard to break. Every, right? every yeah. habit's hard to break. But once you're doing it, it's really, really easy. And there's a few strategies that you can do. You know, things like um, uh, clearing out the, the, Aaron used to say, the garbage. Yeah, clearing, clearing out, the, out garbage. the garbage that's in your house and keeping different types of food. And yes, yeah. you've got to be shopping more regularly because you don't have, the, the food processing increases the shelf life so yeah. you can stock your pantry with crap. Yeah. But that means you've just got to shop once or twice a week, you yeah. know, and make sure yeah. we shop once a week and we get away with it pretty well you know and um and that has a profound impact now the second thing we're going to talk about today about controlling calorie and that that and and you can do that step i want to make this absolutely clear you can do that first step of eliminating processed foods on any diet that you prefer and this is really important to understand it's really important to understand that you don't try to um, really outlandishly change the foods that you've been brought up on. If you've been yeah. brought up in a in a culture where you eat a lot of rice and you you know you eat this or you eat that, or you're vegetarian or you're vegan or you're a, a carnivore and you really enjoy eating meat and three or veg an or an omnivore, is, yeah. then you then just just stick to that and reduce 
processed foods. foods. That's start, it. Start looking it's at options. Start looking at the things that you have to open a packet to get to and start thinking, oh, what could I eat differently than this? And it does take some creativity. At first you start thinking, oh God, I'm eating a lot of the same food. And I reckon this this is just a real quick side note. I reckon one of the biggest problems that we have, at least in the Western world where I live in Australia, is that people approach food first by what do I want to eat for flavor rather than what do I want to eat to nourish my body. And I think this is one of the biggest problems because when you eat healthy, you eat a lot of the same things. And that is life. They're, 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 a lot of the people that I follow that are really healthy, that are getting their nutrition right, they're, they're eating the same stuff all the time. Mm. And that's one of the big problems, the idea that people no, come I think from I, I want to be careful with that statement because one of the, re- one of the things, in, if, you, if you're following the Gut Microbiome Project at Sydney University here in Australia, one of the key things that they're talking about is that you get variety to support and cultivate a healthy gut microbiome, which we're going to talk about later in the week. Uh, and they talk about uh, the rule of 50. Try and yep. eat 50 different foods every week. So that but includes if you, herbs and spices. Yeah, but, that's exactly what right. What I mean is like if you go down this path, you'd be like, okay. So Rad, what Rad's saying is, is not eat steak and broccoli every night every, yeah that's you know right. he's not suggesting yeah. that but he's but, what he is but you su- end up eating meat with steamed veggies a lot or you end up eating roast meat with roast veggies or whatever or a stir fry or however or you salad, like to do yeah, it or a salad right. or something but and that kind of stuff starts to become on repeat you know you're not eating these um really yeah. creative it's, it's actually quite easy to get 50 different foods in your yep. week yep. if you list out all the things um bananas one apples one you know, yeah. each everything you put in your salad is a separate thing, is a separate food. And once you start to add all that up, you go, oh, well, okay, I'm getting there, you know. But, but, uh, but, but that going from processed foods to whole foods in and of itself takes care of so much of what you need to do if you sustain it. Yeah. And th- would you say that the second intervention that we give is around the protein? The second intervention is to limit alcohol consumption. Yeah. And that is, there is no two ways about this. Alcohol is what's referred to as empty calories. There's a great book called Why Calories Count by Marion Nessel and Malden Lashim. And it is a phenomenal book. And even if you just read it for the chapter on alcohol, what, how alcohol works in the body and, uh, and why it's such an abusive load to your calorie intake. It is empty calories and it is so easy. Good morning, Jody. Morning, Jody. Uh, I actually forgot to ask the question today, which is whether you're following a diet and how it's working for you. Richie, mm-hmm. do you want to type that up? Are you following a question of the day? Are you following a diet and how is it working for you? Uh, we'd love to know. I couldn't agree more on on alcohol, and I think one of the can can I just sorry, can I just finish what I was saying? The 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 alcohol attack affects you in two different ways. First and foremost, it is an abundance of calories. So no matter what alcohol you choose, whether it's white liquor on the rocks, it's you're still consuming a lot of calories. Or if it's wine or beer, or worse, a mixed drink with with with, you've got a mixer like a a soft drink or something in there then you're blowing out calories and you only need to have six drinks in a night and you've consumed more than a meal then you usually are adding that to the meal that you consume it with usually very rare. it's it's very rare that you replace your meal with the alcohol calories most people would be in the bathroom vomiting otherwise you know it's almost unheard of that somebody says i'm going to skip dinner so i can have my six six drinks and remain calorie neutral that's right yeah Yeah. and it it, it takes for most people if you're drinking wine or beer it's only about four or five drinks and you've you've consumed the similar or comparable amount to a meal and then from that point on from the second drink that you consume your the the part of your brain that gives a fuck about tomorrow is inhibited 
and you no longer care about what you do from that point on. And the more you consume, the less you care. So the chances or likelihood of you blowing your diet when you've consumed alcohol is really, really high. And that's the second way that alcohol is uh, abusive to your caloric intake. You will often overconsume, whether it's an additional meal that night, on the way home, the kebab run, the Macca's run, the processed food run, and you generally overconsume for the next 24 hours, sometimes 48 hours, because you're dealing with a hangover the next day, and everyone knows that when you're dealing with a hangover, the last thing you want to do is go grocery shopping for healthy food and produce and, or, or, or uh, prepare a really nice healthy meal. You, you, you know, your, your attitude completely changes, your ability to make good decisions completely changes. You just want something that makes you feel better when you've got a hangover. Yeah. That's, that's the problem. And yeah, look, I've... Um, it's, this is a really hard thing for people to understand because it, 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 like alcohol, at least in Sydney and in Australia, alcohol is um, a part of the social lifestyle. You know, people, yep. it is, it is, it's almost socially unacceptable when you go out to a lot of social scenarios to not drink. Yep. Not, not to not get shit-faced, but when you go to a pub, like people often go to a pub for a catch-up. If you go to a pub and you don't drink, which I've been doing a lot lately, you're the weird one. And it's not like people are ragging on you and saying, well, what are you doing? But you are the odd one out. And that social pressure is enough for a lot of people. But yeah, look, we've experimented. We know, you know, the, we know the science of how alcohol affects your body. And in, in my opinion, it is very, very hard, if not impossible. I, I would say it's very, very hard to get to the level of health that most people are searching for whilst including alcohol any more than literally maybe two drinks once a week, any more than that is going to be really hard for you. And at my age of uh, 42, where I want to get to, uh, two drinks, it, it, and I can't do it. And, I can't, and I'll tell you the reason I can't do it. And, and just wrap your head around this because a lot of people, a lot of people find this very extreme, but this is, this is the truth. If you don't drink like I don't, if I have two drinks, then, th then that is within all, all of the guidelines of it's only two drinks, it's your body can you know, metabolize it in one night and blah, 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 blah. But the next day, I will not be 100%. People might say, oh, that's ridiculous. You know, I don't feel hungover at all after three or four drinks. Well, yeah, you might not call it a hangover, but I'm not 100%. And if I'm not 100%, it means I can't perform 100%. And if I can't perform 100%, then I can't follow the program that I've laid out for myself. So that's how it works for me. That's, that's, how that's I, another reason why alcohol really affects you. It, it affects your motivation to, to exercise. Mm -hmm. But I just want to do a quick calculation here, okay? You, a standard drink is anywhere from 100 to 135 calories. That's fairly agreeable. Yep. Yeah, yep. beer is about 130. So, so let's take an average and say that a standard drink is 110 calories, yep. okay? 110 calories times two is 220 a week times seven is... 1,540 calories a, uh, a week times 52 is 80,000 calories. Now, so that's if you were having two standard drinks a day. That's two standard drinks a day, which a lot of people have. A lot yeah. of people get home yep. and open a Absolutely. bottle of wine with their partner and have two glasses and if, of and, wine. And if you're that's, free, and that's if you're free pouring wine, it, there's <clears throat> virtually zero chance that you're having yeah. standard drinks. Now, I want to just divide that by 7,000, which is how much... Uh, uh, one kilogram of fat is in calories, and that's 11.44 cal uh, kilograms of body weight a year. Okay. Now, when you take into consideration that most of the research on weight gain has proven or indicated that uh, uh, the, the the difference between gaining or not gaining weight is only about two to three hundred calories a day 
of yeah. additional caloric intake. Yeah. Yeah. There's this, your this is reason for, for gaining weight. Yeah. And this is, for, this is for people when, if you understand that the average resting metabolic rate, like for somebody Yanni and my size, our resting metabolic rate is about 2,100 to 2,200 calories a day. So we literally need to only consume 10, excuse me, 10% more than what we would normally consume to get that. Now, if you're someone smaller than us, if you're about 65 yep. kilos, then you're, um, so let's call it 150 pounds. I don't know if that's exactly right. No, 60, yeah, let's call it 150 pounds. Then for you to have two standard drinks, that's actually about 15% or 20% of your own body weight. Uh, of your own um, resting metabolic rate. So you're going way further into um, calorie surplus than what Yanni or I would be doing. So when you look at it like that, yeah, those two standard drinks a day. And it doesn't matter if you're having them a day or if you're binging at the end of the week and having them in a night. Yep. What I'm saying here is that those 11.44 kilograms of body fat are going to come on those 80,000 calories a year, they're going to have to be, if you don't want to gain weight, if you want to uh, neutrally balance your energy intake, you're going to have to take them from somewhere else, which means that you have to eat less, all right, which means that you're going to be challenged by the feelings of satiety because alcohol does not trigger the hormones that make you feel satisfied, that make you feel full. So you have to realize that if you're going to choose to drink on a regular basis, then you have to be taking those calories from somewhere else. You have to be removing them, eliminating them from somewhere else in your day, yeah. which means that you either have to combat it with something like intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating where you're eliminating a meal and you do not make those calories up in the refeed window. You yeah. do not over-consume for the meals but, that you but, have. But let's be real though, Yanni, because what you're describing there, we know firsthand that it doesn't work we know the idea of what you're describing there which we've said to people if you're going to drink regularly you have to replace the calories is no one does that yeah there is no one that we've ever worked with and we have been personal trainers working face to face with people for 17 years there is no one that we've given this advice to that's ever effectively deployed it and kept drinking a couple of drinks every day or one big drinking session a week. The only time that people have ever really effectively lost serious weight, like 15, 20 kilos or you know, 35 to 50 pounds, 45 pounds, whatever it is, and maintained it is when they remove alcohol mm. and, and, and go from regular drinkers to, oh man, I barely have one drink a week now. But I used to have you know two drinks a night when I met you. It's the only time we've ever yeah. seen it work. And if, if we share a personal story, uh, you know, both Rad and I go through periods of drinking alcohol and not drinking alcohol. And I can tell you with my hand on my heart, the only times I ever gain weight is when I start drinking alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can maintain a neutral calorie balance or even a negative calorie balance to lean up really easily when I'm not, when alcohol is not in the picture. But the moment I reintroduce alcohol, it only takes a matter of weeks and I start it's to gain weight. weight yeah. And it's very, very difficult to create enough of a deficit in the food consumption and enough of a deficit through exercise uh, to not. And I experiment with lots of different ways of doing it through, you know, going on real intensive fat burning walks where I maintain the right heart rate to be ma maximizing the fat burning process, all of these sorts of things. Now, very quickly, a couple of guys have, um, have posted here uh, what they're doing. And I want to uh, talk about this because one of them is Tim Hughes, who's um, suggested he's on the CSIRO Total Wellbeing Diet. And also Diane Norbury saying she's uh, following the CSIRO 
grow guidelines too. Low carb and whole foods definitely works best. Now, I want to just highlight the reason why the CSIRO diet is so effective because it does exactly what we're talking about. It, it is a higher protein, low carbohydrate diet, and there are many reasons for that, and, and I believe many benefits to that. They've just released another uh, bit of data which is, uh, made the mainstream media this week, which was that, lo and behold, uh, people who have diabetes do better on a low-carb diet. <laughs> We've been banging that drum for 15 years, and that's been common knowledge for, for a long period of time. But, um, th- you know, it, it is just, I find easier to eat a lower-carb, high-protein diet for a number of reasons. One is that um, eating higher protein, which we're going to talk about later in the week, is the best way to maximize muscle protein synthesis. Uh, it is a really easy way of eliminating processed foods because most processed foods are very high in carbohydrate. And um, the other thing about the CSIRO diet guidelines are that they really encourage eating whole foods like what we've talked about today. Uh, and that is a very, very good benefit. There are many benefits to that. It's great for the gut microbiome. It's great for the systemic inflammation. Uh, it's, it's great for so many different reasons. And, uh, and it's just a really, it's great because of the satiety concept. You're eating more fiber, so you're, you're going to feel full quicker, you know. The other good thing about the CSIRO uh, diet um, uh, is uh, the total well-being diet. There's a lot laid out for you, and it covers meal prep, and it covers uh, organizing and getting organized and things like that. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about later in the week. You know, you need to be prepared because we are um, very much often a slave to our um, sensations, feelings, emotions, urges, you know, and, and, you know, if you're not prepared in advance with your nutrition and you don't have some form of a strategy that gets you organized so that you're ready for those periods of time when you feel, you know, like you're really craving something, then it's very, very hard not to mess it up, you know. And, uh, and the CSIRO total wellbeing diet just helps to lay it out. It creates a strategy. It's fairly straightforward and it works. Now, I'm not sitting here banging the drum and I'm not a proponent of that meal plan. What I am a proponent of is doing something that's going to work for you doing something that's going to fit in with the the belief systems that you've got around food, that's going to fit in, if that means that you're a vegan or you're a carnivore or whatever that is, do something, find something that that works for you and your belief system and uh, your previous history around food uh, and do something that's going to be long-term sustainable. And it's great to see people getting good results here. uh tim's also said alcohol is definitely the one i have to watch the most it is for most people brother it is for most people just quickly scouring these comments to see lee clements has said watch calories to allow for a beer at brewery sunday afternoon takes me days to pick up after drinking two drinks of alcohol yeah that's exactly right it really knocks you about and that's the other the hidden downside to drinking alcohol i think is how much it affects your momentum with training you know, even if you get all the calories right, even if you get all the calories right, you, you minimize calories in preparation for the fact that you're going to go over with a few alcohol calories on the weekend. Uh, your training on Monday is compromised. Your training on Tuesday is compromised if you've had a big, uh, a big night on the weekend. If you've had a big night on Saturday or Sunday, your training on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday is compromised. Yep. You know, and that doesn't even talk about or take into consideration the stress that it puts on your body. You know, so yeah, look, there you go. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, if you liked this show, make sure you tune in tomorrow. We're going to be going deeper into nutrition. Have a great day, everyone. See you tomorrow. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there.
We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's gonna get you there, it's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. It's the gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.